Welcome back to our series on a walk by faith. And last week we talked about the first um, few, few verses in Hebrews chapter 11. And this is what we're going through this, in this time, Hebrews chapter 11. And the reason why I really feel strong in my heart to talk about faith is because why the church has never needed faith more than ever before, like we need it today. Today we're living in such a confusing time, an uncertain time where every day things change, every day things go wrong, people change, and we're getting messages and mixed messages from everywhere. And we're so uncertain about this pandemic and where it's going to go, how far it's going to go, and when it's going to finish. But we as believers in the body of Christ, we've got such assurance that we have God with us. And I believe we've got to come back to the word of the Lord, back to God's word, back to what he says, you know, and not just look at what we hear from the outside, but look at like, what can we hear from the inside? And we started last week off by talking about the first three verses in Hebrews 11, where the author starts speaking about that we live by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And then he talks about these witnesses that he's going to call forth. And then he says, like, you know, by faith, we know that the whole world was formed. And today we want to start with the first witness. And he comes in chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. And so he talks about Abel bringing a sacrifice unto God, a sacrifice that was acceptable. He brings a worship that God accepts, that God accepts. You see, Abel and Cain was the first two humans that had to live by faith. They were the first two humans that had to struggle from the beginning with sin in their minds. Their mommy and daddy, Adam and Eve, lived by sight. They were just there. Everything was given to them. But by the time Abel and Cain was born, they really had to believe in the God of which their parents told them about. They didn't have a God that walked with them by day and walked with them by night and, and just made everything right for them. They had to work hard. They had to toil the ground. They had to look after the flock. They had to trust God for things that's going to grow. They had to trust God for animals that's going to grow as well. And so we now see that they've had a complete different journey than their parents. And so they were the first two people who actually really had to have faith in an unseen God, where Adam and Eve had, faith, had to believe in a seen God, a God they could see, a God they could feel, a God that would walk with them in the cold of the day. But these two men now suddenly come to a place where they have to come and worship a God that is unseen, a God that is not known so much to them, that is known to, by their parents, a God that was told to them about by their parents. And so the first thing we realize about Abel is that he brought the right sacrifice. Now, what does this mean, the right sacrifice, a sacrifice that's been accepted by God? And so to understand the story about what the author of Hebrews is telling us, we've got to go back to Genesis chapter 4, where the events actually took, takes place. So if you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, it says this, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of, a, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain, Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And so it says that in a process of time, Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground. Now there's a lot of 
debate going on by scholars and theologians like, is it about the fruit? Is it about the vegetables? Is it about the meat? What this is all about, you know? And we read in Leviticus chapter 9, there is a place for grain and fruit and vegetable offerings. We say that it's like peace offerings, you know, like in, in selfless offerings that we're talking about. But you need to understand that the difference between the two here. It says that Cain brought some of his fruit of the ground. He brought some grain, some vegetables, some stuff off the ground. Now, when we look at this, you know, Cain's produce was the produce of his labor. In other words, he did something from his strength. But it also said that Cain brought some. He didn't bring his best. He brought some of his labor unto God. In other words, he didn't give to God what God really deserves. And he says that Abel brought a blood offering. But he didn't just bring a blood offering. He brought something that is his best. He didn't bring just something that he just say, like, I'm just going to grab a sheep or grab a goat and give it unto God or some of his meat. It says that he brought his best, the fat. You know, that means when he talks about the fat, you know, like it means he brought the best, you know, the firstborn of his flock, the very strongest, the best one that he could give unto God. And it said that God accepted Abel, but he rejected Cain. And Cain got a bit angry about that. You see, we are supposed to bring our best unto God, not just anything. Now, why would Abel bring that unto God and Cain bring this one unto God? Where did Abel learn to bring an offering? We learned the first offering that was made was in the Garden of Eden, when God had to slaughter the animal to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. And so in other words, God, Abel knew what God required. You see, God has got pre-prescribed worship. He tells us how to worship him. You see, God didn't expect from Cain something that Cain would not have known. Cain would have known what kind of offering God expected. What is the standard that God has? But he decided he's going to do it his way. You know? And haven't we heard that so many times that I'm going to worship God my way. I'm going to do this my way. This is what I want to give. And so often we find ourselves trying to give to God what we just feel is good enough for God. But as we continue to read through the scriptures, as we continue to look, dig deeper in this, we will find that God has got a standard. God has got a standard. His place there. You see, the offering, the blood offering is supposed to bring us closer to God. That is what happened. When Adam and Eve were separated from God, God slaughtered an animal. Something had to die. Blood had to be spilled in order for them to get closer to God. And so a blood offering is also a sin offering, an offering that brings us closer to God. So Cain is wanting to come close to God, but he wants to do it his way. Abel also wants to get close to God, but he's doing it God's way. In other words, God is saying, if you want to get close to me, this is how you are supposed to do it. This is the way that I live. If you want to have intimacy with me, there's a way that I've put before you that you should live. There's a way that you should worship in order to get closer and intimate with me. But the more we're going to say that I want to do it my way, the further we're going to move away from God. Because God is going to wait. He's going to say, hey, hey, I've given you instructions. Why are you not following the instructions? And so David also comes in Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. He says, I will not give unto God that which cost me nothing. In other words, I had to have made a sacrifice. 
It had to cost me. It had to cost me time. It had to cost me money. But it's got to cost me something because why the God that I serve is so big, so amazing. You know, like that when I come to him, it's got to cost me. And now in nowadays, we want to come to him, but we don't want to pay the price. <laughs> we want to give unto God, but we want to give what we want to give unto God. And so many times we come before God and we give our leftovers unto God. And we say, God, yes, my leftovers, bless me. And God is saying, hey, hey, I don't want your leftovers. I want your best. I want, because God gave his best. He sent his best unto us. God is not a God, it's a halfway God. God goes the whole way. Now, it talks about Cain's way in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. It talks about him not loving his brother. You know, like, not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why, do you mur why did he murder? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. It says his worship, his works, his behavior was evil and his brothers were righteous. In Jude 11, it says, like, vote to them, for they have gone by the way of Cain. They have run greedily in error of balm for profit and perish in the rebellion. It says, vote to them, for they've gone the way of Cain. Now they start speaking to the church here, and they say the church have gone the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? The way of Cain is self-worship. It's when we try to worship ourselves. You see, the Bible has got hundreds and hundreds of references to worship. But did you know that a lot, if not most, of those references is worship to false gods? Baal worship. Right from the beginning, people wanted to worship what they can see. People wanted to worship the way they want to worship. People wanted to give what they want to give. And the way of Cain is self-worship. You see, Cain believed in God, but he did not believe God. <laughs> he believed that God exists, but he did not believe in the ways of God. And so many times we can believe in a God that exists, but not believe in the ways of God. In other words, I can see you standing there, but I don't believe you can do it for me. <laughs> I know you exist, but I don't believe you can do this. And therefore, I will do it out of my own strength. Therefore, I will do it my way. Now, let's look a little bit further what, what the Bible talks about Cain. And so after Cain gave his offering unto God, you know, and God says, like, no, nah, I don't want this type of offering. I'm rejecting your offering. And he's accepting Abel's offering. It says then Cain became depressed. His countenance fell. You know, like he became depressed. His face fell. He became angry because why? He's now upset because God said, no, 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 that way. But look at God. Look at this amazing God. So God said to Cain, why are you angry? And why have your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? So he's trying to get close to God. He's trying to become righteous with God and in relationship and in intimacy with God. And God rejects that. God said, no, not that way. The God that he wants to have relationship with then comes back to him and pursues him. You see that the God that he wants to have relationship starts pursuing him. Uh, if God was so unjust, God would have just stood the far away and said, like, I'm not even going to talk to him because he's sinful. God enters 
into his life and say, hey, listen, why are you upset? And God tells him, in other words, God is almost saying to him, like, you've got another chance to do right. <laughs> if you do right, will I not accept you? In other words, like, just go and do the right thing. Worship me the way that I prescribe you to worship me. And then I will accept your worship. You see, when the fire came down on Cain's offering, the fire represents the presence of God. And so this is what Cain is hungry for. And God is saying, if you want my presence, do the right thing. I'm giving you another chance. Now we see Cain is quiet. He doesn't answer. He doesn't talk. And this is what God says. And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. In other words, if you don't come close to me, if you don't bring the right worship that you're supposed to bring to me, there's sin. Sin is like an animal there, and it's waiting for you. It's like a, a lion waiting for a lamb, or a lion waiting for a gazelle to come past or he can grab. And so God gives him a warning and saying, go and make right. And so God requires of us a sacrifice. God requires of us a worship that he expects from us, not a worship that he wants to bring. And God is telling us, like, if you do the right thing, I will come to you. That's why the Bible says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. But we cannot just draw near to God in one way. We got to draw near to God humbly, confessing our sins, coming before God and bringing the right sacrifice. The second thing we learn about Abel's offering, it brought him in right standing before God. You can't earn righteousness. It's given by a Savior. <laughs> and therefore, I follow the instructions of the Savior because only he can bring us to a place of righteousness. You cannot work for righteousness. Righteousness has been done upon the cross. And so when we just follow him and he says, like, do this, do that, and I will give it to you. You see, real faith shows obedience. And this is what Abel showed to become righteous with God. He showed obedience unto God. He showed God that I will do it the way that you want me to do it. Listen, the very first thing that Satan challenged Adam and Eve was the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The very first thing Satan challenged was the instruction that God gave Adam and Eve. Satan could have come to them and said, like, hey, listen here. Deny God and you can be God yourself. He could have said, like, do this, do that, do that. He could have given them so many options. But the very first thing he asked, did God really say? In other words, he challenged the word of the Lord. And so in our lives, when we go through things, the very first thing Satan often challenges is the word of God. Is God really there? Does God really love me? Does he really accept me? Does he care for me? Does he even think about me? When God's word says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He says, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He says, call unto me and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not even know yet. There's so many times when Jesus says, like, how many birds are in the sky? How much more worth are you than all the birds? 
That is how much the Father loves you. But Satan will always challenge that. Because why? He wants us to get away from the word of the Lord. And when things go tough, that gets challenged. Right now, people are struggling with their faith under this pandemic. And I'm talking about Christians that's struggling. It's asking like, why isn't God healing? Why isn't God doing this? Why isn't God showing up? Because why we are now in a struggle. When God is saying like, just trust in me. I am the rock. Those who are trusting the Lord are like Mount Zion and shall not be moved. <laughs> As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, says the Lord, so I will surround you. And so our job is to continue to have faith in the unseen God, faith in the God that went and died for us 2,000 years ago. And, now, and all we can do is just continue to worship him and not let our circumstances and our problems interrupt our worship unto God, but also come to a place that we worship God the way God deserves to be worshipped. Let, let me ask you a question. How many times in worship do we sit and write Facebook statuses and taking selfies and send out messages and on our phone. We cannot even spend a half an hour worshiping God when God is saying that, just give me the attention. Just give it to me and I will show you. Trust me. Just do the right thing. So many times we come into the place of worship and our minds are everywhere else but God. And yet we want the presence of God. See? Self-worship. Cain wanted to do it his way, and he wanted the fire to come down on his way. Abel did it God's way, and when he did it God's way, the fire came down on the way that God expects it to be. In other words, Abel experienced the presence of God, and where the presence of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy. Where the presence of the Lord was not, there was depression in a long face of Cain. <laughs> there was anger, there was bitterness, there was sin because of the lack of presence brings anger. The lack of God's presence brings depression and oppression. The lack of God's presence brings sin. And let me encourage you people, we need the presence of God. We, not works, not what we can do, but we just need His presence in our midst more than ever before. We've never needed the presence of God this much in our life. And I want to encourage you to come before God and allow God's fire to come upon you. But we got to do it God's way. We got to stop doing it our way. Go on other fancy lights and the smoke and all these things, you know, and the, 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 the celebrity worship stars and celebrity singers and celebrity preachers. We got to come back to the heart of worship where God is our source, where God is our everything, where he is the beginning, he's the center, and he's the end, and he is the one who sustains us. But God is calling us to him right Right now and especially now that we can't go to church and everything is taken away from us we can't go to worship he's calling up to the true worship <laughs> not a worship that's just taken place on church while I'm on my Facebook and Instagram and Twitter anyway but a worship where I'm in the inner courts with God a worship where I have intimacy with God a worship that is now between me and him can I get an amen you guys look so angry today you don't like what I'm saying Second thing that Abel's worship does, it calls for a witness. It says his blood still speaks. His blood still speaks. Abel is still teaching us today. That's why Abel is part of these heroes of faith. Because he's still speaking. He's the first one to worship God correctly. He's the first one to worship God the way God deserved to be worshipped to give his life 
the way God expects to give his life. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. It says now, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Oh, but isn't God amazing? God keeps coming back to Cain. He keeps pursuing Cain. He's, he's saying, he keeps almost like he's, he's asking God, know what he did. All God is wanting to do is like confess and, and repent, you know, maybe come and repent and say, I've done something wrong. Then the Lord said to Abel, where is Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? See, pride and arrogance. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And I was like, don't ask me. I'm not supposed to look after him. And he said, this is now God speaking. What have you done? The voice of your, brother, of, the blood, of your brother's blood cries out to me. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. He says, your brother's blood is speaking to me. And let me tell you, <clears throat> excuse me, his blood is still speaking. His blood is teaching us today that there is a way that God expects us to worship. It's almost like the woman that came before Jesus in John chapter 12, Mary. She came with pure not before God, before Jesus. Pure not means genuineness. Pure not speaks of a genuine heart. A ge something that's genuine, something that is real, something that only she can do. She worshiped him in a practical way when she came and she anointed his feet. She comes and says, like, I'm going to worship you in a practical way. In other words, worship is not just about singing. Worship is so much more than singing. The more we walk away from God, the more arrogant we become, the more sinful we become. And God continues to pursue us, like pursuing Cain and saying, like, hey, what have you done? So he's giving him a time, and I believe that God is pursuing us today. And he's asking us, as the body of Christ, maybe, maybe he's asking you, what have you done with your worship? How have you been worshiping me? You know, like, what have you done? So this woman, when she came before Jesus in John chapter 12, she humbled herself. She became a servant before Jesus. But, then, but one of the most important things is she broke the Jewish tradition. She ran into the presence of men and anointed Jesus with her hair. She is somebody that is just, she's not going to go the way everybody else is going. And she gave her best unto Jesus. She gave a treasure. That is the type of able worship. So she followed the way of Abel. You know, she was humble. She was genuine. She served and she gave her best. Her worship was so much more than just words. And even there, Jesus got challenged and he was told like, look at this woman. We could have sold this. In other words, we could have done so much with this, with this money and she come and waste it on you. And sometimes we can feel like we could have done so many other things and we're wasting it on Jesus. But let me tell you, our worship, our service, our sacrifice unto him is not wasted. But what is this worship all about? And how does God prescribe us to worship? Because I'm saying that God given us a way to worship him. But what is that way? And Jesus, God himself in the flesh comes and tells us. He meets the woman at the well. And she starts talking. And she says, my daddy... And his daddy, and their daddies before us, told us that we have to worship here on this mountain. Your daddies told you to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus looks, he says like, I don't care what your daddy said. I don't care what your daddy's daddy said. I don't even care what that daddy said. 
my daddy, <laughs> my daddy, El Elohim, the creator of the universe says, in the last days, I will seek the true worshipers, those who worship me in spirit and in truth. And let me tell you, if you are still fighting to worship in the church, if you are still fighting to worship in the building, let me tell you, my daddy said, in the last days, I will seek the true worshipers, those who worship me in spirit, those who worship me according to the spirit, who spirit Christ out to me, Abba Father, and that spirit Christ out from the garden, that spirit Christ out from the Toilet, like he had a spirit, likes to cry from the toilet, you know, unto God. That spirit cries out from your bedroom. That spirit cries out from your dinner table. Wherever you are, when you live a lifestyle of worship, when your life lines up to your words, your life and your words now add up. That spirit cries out that God is amazing, God is real. That spirit is not bounded by we worship here and you worship there. We gather here and you gather there. That is a true worship. And the second thing he says, spirit and truth, according to my word. <laughs> not the way you feel, not the way you think it should be, but according to my word. And Jesus saying, in the last days, those are the type of worshipers I seek. Those who worship me in spirit and in truth. And Abel's blood is crying out. And he's saying that there is a way that God has prescribed for us to worship. There is a way that God is calling us to. Remember the author of Hebrews is writing to a people who wants to go back to traditions, who wants to go back to a law, who wants to go back to what they can do and what they cannot do, who wants to go back to things and rituals that they can see and touch. And then the dead man speaks and says, and he witnesses, and he says, look, it's not about us, but what we can do is give our best unto God. He gave his firstborn the best fat that he had unto God. And to do that, you got to trust God. To do that, you got to have faith that, Lord, I'm giving you my best. I'm not sure if I'm going to have the best anymore, but I believe in you, and I believe in who you are. And so God is calling his church to give the best. God is calling us as a community to give our best. You see, with Abel, it was a lamb for one man, you know, one man, one lamb unto God. At the Passover, it was one lamb, one family. Before they left Egypt. At the Day of Atonement, it was one lamb, one nation. On the cross, it was one lamb for all nations. One lamb for the world. Behold, the lamb of God, the firstborn, the very best, was slaughtered. And the veil was broken. So we can now freely come in to the presence of God and give unto God what God deserves. You see, we all, as Christians, we all want the presence of God. But God is saying, there's only one way into my presence, and that is through the Lamb <laughs> that I've given. That is through Jesus Christ. He is the doorway to God is the only way that we can get to the Father. And He is the Lamb that was slaughtered for us. He is the Lamb that was slain for our sins. And so today I want to encourage you. I don't know what we've been doing with worship. I don't know what you've been doing with your worship in your own time. I don't know if you've lost faith in your worship, in the, or faith in God while you worship. 
I don't know if you've been giving God your best or if you've just been giving God the leftovers, you know. I don't know how you've come to worship. David says, I come into his presence with thanksgiving in my heart. I come into his courts with praise. I don't know if you've been one of those people that had to be warmed up just to praise God <laughs> in a service. And now we miss those times where we've been, had to be warmed up to praise God and beg to give God the worship. But I want to encourage you right now. Be like Abel. Blood had to be shed. And blood was shed 2,000 years ago. And that blood still speaks of better things than death. That blood still speaks of better things than sin. But we got to worship God. And God is calling us into this amazing time of worship. Amen.